Amen. What a beautiful way to enter into this time of revelation as we think about the King of Kings, the one who's come to give us life. Well, it's my joy to be with you this morning. Uh, I had some doubts about that over the last few days. We've had some travel challenges, but we were able to fly in yesterday finally and get here. We had a great uh, week this past week. Uh, we knew we couldn't come uh, for, because, uh, first of all, well, it's a long story, but just the short story is we got COVID uh, over Christmas, and so we couldn't travel the day we had planned to. So instead, we did, uh, I counted them up, we did 18 meetings with the staff over this past week, from Monday to, to Thursday. So it was great to be able to meet with them and connect with staff and get into some meetings and just to begin to pray together and to ask God, what is it that He wants to be doing here at Forest Grove Community Church at the Attridge site? So it's my privilege to be with you this morning. If you have your Bibles with you, if you have your app, if you would uh, take it and turn to Exodus chapter 1, we're going to be looking at that this morning as we begin a series called Faithful. Now, when you think about the word faithful, you might stop and go, well, is that about my being faithful? But I really want us to focus this series on God's faithfulness, and we're going to be going through the book of Exodus to look at how God was faithful to the nation of Israel and how God is still faithful today. So I want to encourage you as you think about this, just maybe even reading the text ahead of time or afterwards, just to spend some time soaking uh, in God's Word, asking Him what is it that He might want to be teaching us. As we begin today, we're going to be talking about change. And I know whenever I say to people, how do you, do you like change? And some people are like, yes! I like change. How many of you like change? Yeah, those of you online, you know, like click that like button or something. Say, yeah, I like change. How many of you go like, I hate change? Yeah, I don't, don't bring that on. I don't like change. Just leave it normal. I want it normal. And this has not been normal for anybody. Uh, so how do we deal with change? You know, are we, we deal with change all the time. Change is just part of, is part of our life. When, I, when Brenda and I were here in November and we shared our story, part of our story is that our lives changed when we found out that Brenda had MS. There were things that we knew that we couldn't do, that we wanted to do. And so there was this change, and it wasn't something we could control. It was something we prayed about. It was something we asked many people to pray for healing over Brenda. And yet at the same time, it was, you know what? This was change that we just couldn't do anything about. So the reason that I want to preach through the book of Exodus and have others join me in this preaching series is because Exodus is about moving from one place to another. And when we think of change, often we think of change in a, in a negative way. It's, it's a bad thing that's taking place. But it really could be a good thing that's taking place. I want you to think about, is, is life the best in behind you or is the best in front of you? Is the best behind you or is the best in front of you? I really believe that God has the best still in front of us. It's always there. We're moving toward it. And sometimes we get stuck thinking the best was behind us. And it's like, no. No. The best isn't behind us. The best is still in front of us. 
Exodus is about leaving. It's about moving. It's about change. It relates to times in a person's life. There's these times of moving and exodus. But it also can be in the life of a church. And this is a book about God's faithfulness to his people in the midst of change and even calling them to change. God has promised to be faithful to his people. We'll, look, uh, we'll just take a brief moment look at the story of Joseph, that God uses bad things for good. They were in Egypt. Why was the nation of Israel in Egypt? Because there was a famine in their land. But God was blessing them, and the king of Egypt then began oppressing them. God showed himself faithful in both blessing and oppression. What makes change doable is knowing the faithfulness of God. I'm going to invite Matt Young to come and to read Exodus chapter 1 for us. So if you, if you have it, look it up. I think he'll be, I think he's going to be reading in the NIV. If it's an, okay, NIV, he's going to be reading the NIV version. So follow along as he reads Exodus chapter 1. Exodus chapter 1, the Israelites oppressed. These are the names of the sons of Israel who entered Egypt with Jacob, each with his family, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, Isaacar, Zebulun, and Benjamin, Dan, and Naphtali, Gad, and Asher, the descendants of Jacob, numbered 70 in all. Joseph was already in Egypt. Now Joseph and all his brothers and all that generation died, but the Israelites were fruitful and multiplied greatly and became exceedingly numerous, so the land was filled with them. Then a new king, who did not know Joseph, came to power in Egypt. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become much too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them, or they will become even more numerous, and if war breaks out will join our enemies, fight against us, and leave the country. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor, and they built Pithom and Ramses as store cities for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with hard labor in brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields, in all their hard labor, the Egyptians used them ruthlessly. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, whose names were Shifra and Pua, quote, when you help the Hebrew women in childbirth and observe them on the delivery stool, if it is a boy, kill him. But if it is a girl, let her live. The midwives, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live. Then the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and asked them, Why have you done this? Why have you let the boys live? The midwives answered Pharaoh, quote, Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women. They are vigorous and give birth before the midwives arrive. So God was kind to the midwives, and the, people in, and, the peop, and the people increased and became even more numerous. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. Every boy that is born you must throw into the river, but let every girl live.
Let's pray together. Father, as we pause in this moment, we invite your Holy Spirit to speak to us. We invite this living and active word to be living and active in us today. We know that you are the teacher. I pray that you would use the words of my mouth to impact people for the transformation of their lives in Jesus. For we pray this in your powerful name. Amen. Well, let's take a few minutes today and spend some time in this text to understand what is it that God is showing us about his faithfulness in the midst of change. I've already talked to you about Joseph coming to Egypt, being sent as a slave, uh, moving from being a slave to being the second in command next to Pharaoh. Then the famine comes on the, the land and the people, as Matt read for us, 70 of them come into the land and they're brought, they're just the 70 of them, and God blesses them. I want you to notice here that there's the power of people. God loves to use people. He doesn't look for the perfect person. I'm sure Joseph wasn't that, although you can't find a lot, but you think about Joseph's brothers, uh, there was a lot of problems they had as a family. And so God uses these people. He reminds us of God's, how God uses different people. God was faithful, for example, to Abraham. In Genesis chapter 15 and verse 5, he takes Abraham outside and he says, look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. You realize that Abraham had no children, none, when God is giving him this promise. I'm sure Abraham went out and as an act of Abraham's faith, he looked and went, God, I don't see how this is going to happen. But God says, wait, wait, I will be faithful to you. You see in verse 7 of Exodus chapter 1 that there's God's faithfulness to the nation. He blessed them with children and with wealth. They came as simple shepherds. God was simply faithful in what he had promised them. And yet there was so much more. You see, Egypt was not the final destination. God said, I'm not here to give you Egypt. I'm here to give you something different. And yet, so often as people, we only see what we have. And we stop and we go, well, I guess this is the best there is. This, is, this is, must be it. And God often says, not necessarily. Not necessarily. So God is also faithful to us as we look at this text. God loves his people. This morning as you, as you sit here, as you watch online, can you, can you experience, can you say yes to God loves me? Just the way I am? God doesn't say you've got to do 15 things to get right. If you're here this morning, if you're watching this, God is saying I love you. And his love for us is shown in his son, Jesus Christ, who came to this earth, who lived a sinless life, who showed us God's faithfulness by taking our punishment on the cross on our behalf. 
God is faithful. He loves us. You see, God looks at you and I and he says, I have made you in my image. I've made you in my image. The only created part of the creation that is made in God's image. And so we see that God calls us to himself. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, God, the writer to the Hebrews, quotes and says, Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Do you ever wonder if God is forsaking you? The times when my brain goes there are the times when I'm not feeling great. And I'll, I'll be honest with you this morning, I wasn't feeling great on Friday. Uh, I, I thought I was going to be flying here on Friday, and I came down with this incredibly massive migraine where I was out. I was wiped out. And as I'm praying, as I'm laying there, I can't do anything. I want to get up and I want to go. And I'm like, wait, God, why is this happening? You know, I'm looking, we had COVID, we couldn't fly on the first, our flights get canceled on Thursday, I'm sick on Friday, and I can go, why, why, why? God, what is going on? Have you forsaken me? And in the midst of that, I have to go and say, God, what is your plan? I know that you haven't forsaken me, but man, I sure do not know what you're trying to do here. I do not get it. You know, I'm praying, God, is this, is this of the evil one? We have our prayer team praying, you know, healing, praying for us, saying, you, you know, these guys need to get to Saskatoon. And I'm like, God, why is this not coming together? But I never wondered if he, if he was forsaking me. I'm just like, I don't understand the plan. You can imagine the, the nation of, of Israel as they're in Egypt and you're, we're reading this particular story and you're going, don't you think they wondered what the plan was? Don't you ever wonder what God's plan is? We do. Does God forsake us? No. Does he show us the plan, lay the whole thing up? No. And that's where we need to say, God, you are faithful. And I just have to trust you. I just have to trust you. Even when I don't know how, I just have to trust you. I read Hebrews 13.5 because Hebrews 13.5 is actually a quote from Deuteronomy 31.6. Where Moses writes, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. And here's the quote, he will never leave you or forsake you. So as they're coming out of Exodus, the end of Exodus, God says, I am here. Be strong. Be courageous. I am never going to leave you or forsake you. That's God's promise for today. I could, I could sort of end the sermon right there. We're not done with the text. But God is faithful. His promise is he is always there for you. He will never leave you or forsake you. As we look at this text some more, it says, I want to suggest that in verses 6 to 14, it shows us that the past does not dictate the future. The past does not dictate the future. 
What has, you, what has happened in your past doesn't have to dictate your future. God is a God who is faithful and will bring about change. You see, as we look at this text, this, the, the new pharaoh, the new king, didn't know Joseph. And so he changed his approach to the Jewish people. He looked at these people and said, you know, what happens? What if they take over the country? Well, let's put them under our thumb. The past doesn't dictate the future. Just because there was blessing in the past for this nation doesn't mean that there was going to be blessing in the future. In the same way, just because there's been hardship and discord in the past doesn't mean that there will be in the future. Change, if you look at verse 8, change is continuous. The one constant in this is God. And the prophet Malachi reminds us in Malachi 3, verses 6 and 7, says, I, the Lord, do not change. Since you, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed, ever since the time of your forefathers, you've turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. I don't change. God is faithful. We can change. We can change. We do change. We should change. You know, the person that, that I was at 20 is not the same person that I am at 60. Physically, I change. Spiritually, I hope I'm growing. i understanding more deeply God's faithfulness. God brings about transformation in our lives. Change. The past does not dictate the future. I want to point out a couple of other things as we finish up with this passage. First of all, I want you to notice Pharaoh. I want you to look at him for just a moment. And I want, what I want you to notice is that Pharaoh is a leader who is led by fear. He's led by fear. And fear is a very poor leader. He was afraid of what might happen. He was afraid of war. He was afraid of this nation leaving him. He was afraid, once he put them in as slaves, of losing his workforce. Now, I will suggest there is healthy fear. Pain is a, a good reason for us to fear certain things in our lives. But this is an unhealthy fear. And this unhealthy fear for him led to very poor decisions. When we live in fear, it also leads us to very poor decisions. So when we talk about making changes or, or, or looking at things through lenses, we need to be careful to look at this. Are we looking at this simply through the lens of fear and outside of the lens of God's faithfulness? Because we want to make sure we're saying, if God is faithful, what does he want us to do? Not, what are people going to think? What are people going to say? It's about what does God want us to do? How do we overcome fear? How do we make good decisions outside of fear? Well, I believe it's replacing the belief, believing in someone who is in control, and that's not me. 
God very clearly says over and over and over again in Scripture, including here, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. What keeps us repeating our past mistakes? Pharaoh just kept repeating himself, making the same mistakes over and over again. I would suggest you it's things like pride, a lack of awareness. We just don't see sin as sin. We just know it's okay. Fear of change can keep us locked up inside. It's the inability to, to move or even to seek a change in our circumstances. Can I suggest to you, if you're, if you're fearful of change, just begin to talk to the change agent, that's God, and begin to pray. And pray about things that you are looking at and going, God, I'm afraid of this. What if? What if? Open yourself to him. In verses 11 to 14, the text shows us that God is faithful in difficult times. We see uh, here in the text that they're, they're, they're being oppressed. They're being made to build things. Um, they're being worked ruthlessly. Their lives are bitter, it says. They're making these bricks and mortar, and it's just over and over and over again. They're doing the same thing. Life is difficult. Throughout Scripture, God continually steps into places where life is difficult. Now, we don't often understand God's timing. You know, this nation, may, they may have been going through this and going like, God, when are you going to finally do something? I mean, God does. We read the text. It happens quickly as we read it. But yet, this is a much longer journey. And this nation wasn't about to enter the exodus without what God was walking them through to get there. You see, these painful experiences were not going to be wasted. God wasn't going to waste this pain. God was using this oppression for them to turn to him and cry out, we need you, help us. And God is waiting for us to turn to him and cry out to him and say, God, I need you. So much of what we do, we can do on our own. We can live life on our own, we get jobs on our own, we can become financially secure on our own, all of these things. We can do those things. We don't, we don't need God. And yet we find they're empty. They're meaningless. And God comes and says, in the midst of difficult times, I'm wanting you to look to me, to come to me, to fall on your face before this holy God who loves us, who's faithful. We often don't change unless we're forced to change. And it usually means some kind of a crisis. The nation of Israel, even though they were being oppressed, they really didn't want to leave Egypt. They didn't know what else. This was okay. We got enough to eat. Yes, the work is really hard. Yes, we get beaten. But they kind of became accepting of it. And in the wilderness, when they left, what happened? We'll get there. But I just want you to know, thinking down the road, they begin, what do they do? They begin to complain. We just want to go back to Egypt. Really? You want to go back to being slaves? Yeah, but there was garlic and leeks. The food was delicious. And now you're just giving us this bread. Like, come on, I'm tired. Isn't that like us? 
Right? We, we, you know, we leave a bad situation and all of a sudden we look back and go, boy, I, I just might want to go back. Well, we'll talk about that a little bit later. In verses 15 to 21, we see a, a, a great story of uh, these, these ladies who are told to kill baby boys and they refuse. They just, their, their fear of God was greater than their fear of Pharaoh. Now that's a lesson in itself. They just looked to God first and said, God, what do you want us to do? And God just said, let them be. Let the boys live. And they did. Reward comes through obedience. The king demanded they kill these babies. And God blessed them of families of their own. Well, we see Pharaoh is even more fearful and we see just more oppression. He's, you know, kill the baby boys, that'll do it. No, no, that's not good. Okay, now everybody in Egypt, Egyptians included, when you see a Hebrew, a Jewish boy, you throw him in the river. It's another example of how fear makes people react in poor ways rather than respond. You see, reaction is immediate and emotional. I'm going to do something. Response is measured, looking at the circumstances and allowing a thoughtful spiritual decision, a time to pray, a time to listen to the one who is faithful to God. As we close in verses 17 to 19, there's a response of trust. The, mid, the midwives live their lives on the line. They've disobeyed. And the opposite of fear, the opposite of living in fear, is living with trust. Now, it's not just saying, well, I just trust everything. It's like, no, no, I trust in the one who's trustworthy. I trust the one who is faithful. And in this text, it says, the midwives feared God, which allowed them to overcome their fear of man. The writer of the Proverbs wrote this. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge the Lord and he will make your path straight. He will make your path straight. Trust in the Lord. Well, the blessing of trusting for them was that they got to have families. What a beautiful blessing for these two women that are spoken of here. You notice that Pharaoh is spoken of as Pharaoh. We don't know which Pharaoh. I mean, we can do, historically, we can figure it out. But it doesn't say so in the text. But it does mention these two women. Why? Because they trusted and they were given a wonderful blessing. So how do we grow in our trust in God's faithfulness? I said earlier, Israel came to Egypt. The 70 came to Egypt as shepherds. They had sheep. They knew sheep. They knew what sheep were like. I don't know an awful lot about sheep. I know a little bit about animals. But sheep are incredibly fearful creatures. They're afraid of everything. And in the New Testament, Jesus is called the Good Shepherd. And those who follow him are called his sheep. So if you and I are followers of Jesus this morning, we're like sheep. And God knows that we're fearful. He knows that. 
That's why he calls us sheep. He knows that our tendency is to be afraid. And yet the New Testament says that the sheep follow the voice of the shepherd. In John chapter 10, verse 3, the last part of the verse, it just simply says, He, Jesus, calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. I just want you to think about this for a minute. God calls you. See, those who are coming to understand who Jesus is, that he is the chosen one, that he is the one that God sent to carry our sin, that he's the one who's come to give us life. When we come to accept that, he calls us by name. He knows your name. And he calls you. This morning, if you're watching online or if you're sitting here in this room, my prayer is that you would know that Jesus has called you by name. He's invited you to be part of his family and that you would receive that wonderful invitation to be part of that family. You'll notice in John 10, 3, it doesn't just say he calls us by name. But it also says that he leads them out. See, Jesus calls us by name. But then he says, follow me. Come and follow me. I am the faithful one. I am, will be faithful to you. Follow me. We will be led by him. I'm going to call on the worship teams to come up. I want you to think of a couple of responses this morning as we think of this text and we think about some of the texts that I've shared and some of the thoughts and ideas this morning. I want you to think, it's the beginning of a new year, it's a good time to do some reflection. And I'm not a great one for reflection, I will be honest. I, I have to actually plan it and think about it and go, I need to pause and do reflection. Uh, I tend to be somebody who's looking, what's next, what's next, what's next? So this, this year, because I had COVID, I got to kind of chill out for a full day. I didn't have much choice about the matter. I got to do some reflection. And um, I just want you to stop and go, how has God been faithful to you this past year? Can you just pause for a moment and just think about, how has God been faithful if you go online later, it's one of the questions that will be asked in the small group discussion. But I, I ask you to take a moment to thank him for his faithfulness. Maybe do that right now. As we're sitting in this room, just thank him for his faithfulness. He's hearing you. He's here. Uh, as I said, he knows you by name. Thank him for his faithfulness this past year. Maybe there's something that you can just say, God, thank you this, for this was your faithfulness. Part of our response, I also want you to, to, to think about what do you fear? What is it that you fear about the future? You know, God knows our hearts, but he, he wants us to express it to him. What do you fear about the future? And more importantly, how can you grow in trusting God for the change that's coming? How can you grow 
in trusting God for the change that's coming. And finally, I want to say this to, to us, to myself. What act of obedience is God asking of you? It doesn't have to be something huge. Maybe it's as simple as God says to you, I want to spend time with you every day. Because I know God does. Would you make time for him every day? Would that be that act of obedience? Maybe you go a couple of days, three days, four days, five days. All of a sudden it's Sunday and you go to church and you think this is great. But every day God wants you to spend time with him. Maybe that's that act of obedience. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it has something to do with the way you use your money. Maybe it has something to do with the way you treat people. I, I don't know. What act of obedience is God asking of you? And then will you trust him to lead you through it? As I begin my ministry here as the transitional pastor, a, a time of transition is a time where there can be fears. Unknowns. I want you to know that God doesn't actually want us just to push through the unknowns and create the knowns. God actually wants us to live in that space of, I don't know. And it's okay. Why? It's okay because we're trusting him. It's not okay because I got it figured out. It's okay because I'm trusting him. He knows. I don't. So I'm going to be holding on to the one who is faithful. And I'm going to wait in this time of transition because God is faithful. Let's pray. Father, as we are, have looked into your word, as we've read this first chapter of Exodus and as we've looked at it and we've explored a little bit of it, Father, I thank you that you are the one who has shown yourself faithful to the nation of Israel, You've shown yourself faithful through your son, Jesus. Lord, you show yourself faithful to us. And I, my prayer, my prayer for us as a group, Father, whether we're watching online, whether we're sitting in this room, my prayer is that we would see your faithfulness and that we would turn to you and trust you in the unknown for your glory. Thank you for how you are transforming our lives every day. For we pray this in your name and for your glory, Jesus.